0: Welcome to episode 257. I get it, Pastor, you're busy. But right now might be the perfect and necessary time to spark some vision discussion before Christmas. A quick vision primer, that's today, on The Reclaimed Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you and yours. And now... Here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 257 of The Reclaim Leader. I'm Jason Tucker here back again with Jesse Skiffington. Jesse, it's been a wild west kind of couple of weeks for both of us. (laughs) But we managed to find time to record. Uh, How's it going?
1: Here we are, Jason. We were both joking before we hit record that we were like, no, I'm fully present. I'm here. Uh, you know how this is <laughs> one swear. of those
0: stretches where
1: you, all of you listening out there, you get this. This is a life you live all the time. You're doing one thing, but there's so much going on or maybe a hard conversation that's happening alongside what you're doing now. And so you're in one conversation, but you're also thinking of what's next or you're working on one project, but you're also kind of distracted by By that thing, it keeps kind of hanging over your head. I think we live that way a lot of times as pastors where we're, you know, sitting down having coffee with somebody and they're pouring their hearts out. And we're also thinking about the agenda for the session meeting that night and how that's (laughs) going to go. So it's a weird pulled in two directions kind of thing sometimes. And yet we know, like, how do we stop, focus in for a little bit, be you know, to kind of get, you know, weird about it, fully present, you know, let's be, let's be here prepared to be nowhere else, that kind of thing. So that's what we're doing, Jason. We're focused. That's what we're doing. We're We're focused right now. We're focused on this because the conversations we're having, hopefully as, as you're listening in, hopefully these are health helpful, or at least good reminders, or at least you can say, at least we're not as crazy and and out of sorts as Jason and Jesse are, we've got things (laughs) figured out, whatever. Hopefully this helps in some way uh, for all of you out there working in the trenches, because ministry really is has awesome things about it, but it's also a grind. It has a lot of challenges too. So, um, where are we going today, Jason? What are we What are we talking about?
0: So last week we we had like a monsoon, right? I mean, just all the leftover rain from Ian, and it rained for four or five days and it didn't stop. And it's funny how that messes with your head. Now, I'm of course, this is nothing compared to what the folks in Florida had to go through with with Ian. But, you know, after a while, you're just like, please, for the love of God, stop raining. But um, I was uh, driving by my second office at Starbucks, and I noticed in the middle of the pouring rain that the sprinklers were on. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> right. And... It's only because you know it was set way ahead of time, and and nobody thought to think of it as it's pouring down rain. And I was like, that if that doesn't sum up ministry right now, I'm not sure what does. Like, that's awesome. (laughs) We have a lot of things on autopilot, but maybe it's good right now as we're kind of in real time. We're getting toward the tail end of this first part of fall, and we're starting to look toward the holidays. This might be a nice time. To say, what things are on autopilot that maybe shouldn't be? Are there some pivots that we can make? How do we launch or kind of spark a fresh vision for at least the next couple of months when we have this great opportunity to reach people? So that's what we're talking about today. I
1: love it. Yeah. I think um, I was looking around. We've had kind of this long, extended summer. I mean, it hasn't rained here in the Northwest yet, October rain style. And so, yeah, it's kind of nice. So you guys are getting drenched. We've been having great weather. Uh, but it's time to kind of winterize, right? It's time to get ready. It's time to look at what does need to be done to get ready for the, for the next season. And it, it, all of these things always give us an excuse to stop and just kind of take a look, see if there's some a, a vision for this next season or something that we can put our hearts and minds towards that um, galvanizes people, gets us excited together, moves us in a direction together, and, uh, and, and watch God work through that. So um, looking forward to talking today, Jason, about how just some steps to kind of go about doing that.
0: Yeah. Every, every couple dozen episodes, we do an episode like this about how do you spark fresh vision? Because it's really not as hard or mysterious as people might think. It's a, it's a process like anything else. And it's something that you can initiate in your own church. So let's just get started. It's, I've got seven steps. It could be 20, it could be three, but you know, here's kind of a way that you can just quickly start getting traction on a little bit of vision before this next season of ministry. The first is you got to do a community profile. And what do I mean? It's like you're profiling a suspect. Maybe not that ominous, but (laughs) you're profiling the community on what's going on. Have I checked in in a while on what's going on in the larger community around us? What are, what are the things that people seem to be caring about right now? What are, what are the, present issues? Or is there any sort of conflict? Or are there any obvious areas of need? It's just like getting to know the community and a great resource. And again, they don't pay me or sponsor us in any way, but Mission Insight is something that we have used in the PCUSA world for churches for a while. And But any company like this will do where they, they'll do demographic information on a circle that you draw on the map. So for example, hey, we want a three mile radius. We understand most people don't travel more than 15 minutes to go to church on Sunday morning. So draw a circle around that and they'll give you all this demographic information about them and even projected changes. So for example, oh, um, we don't have a, a huge population of five to 17 year olds, but in 10 years, that is expected to quadruple. That's a good thing to know. Yeah. And you're thinking about what what you're going to be doing next in ministry. So I think anything that you could do to get some intel, sometimes that's enough to spark yeah. some vision.
1: Yeah, I think, I think so. Because as ministry people, um, we're going to notice something, go, you know, I wonder if this is a place where we could, we could uh, investigate how to meet that need or meet that, that change in our community. And I imagine if Red Bank in your area is like ours out here, there's been a massive shift. Yeah, uh, in the last handful of years, probably everywhere around the country. And we've had done some mission studies and community studies before the pandemic. I don't know if those things are still true about who we are now. And so uh, doing something like that again, I think, is it's just a healthy thing to do right now, just in general, because maybe our community is different or has changed or the trajectory is different than it was two or three years ago. And so um how do, if, if somebody wants to do something like that, what's the cost involved Um just give us a ballpark of, of...
0: I mean, it varies from organization to organization. I think Mission Insights a couple of hundred dollars. Um, I don't think it's terribly expensive. Yeah. Um, but, but I think there are a lot of organizations can do that. And even if you said, okay, well, we have zero budget to do that. I think even if you just um, activated your own membership or elders to go investigate and come back and report back... Sure. And some of the cool things about doing that as a first step, Hey, what's going on in the community is that it's people start dreaming mm-hmm. and some of those dreams get pretty wild, right? Hey, you know <laughs> yeah. what we could do? And, but that's good. You want that kind of excitement. You want ideas and the idea that we need ideas to come forward. Well,
1: and in, in this hopefully goes without saying, but what you've immediately done too is taken the the focus off of us as a church community and put it on our our surrounding community, right? So we're going, this isn't just about what ideas can we do together as a church family and enjoy our life together as a community. How can we be a benefit and serve and be a part of God's you know, redemptive plan in other people's lives outside of our life as a community. So hopefully it goes without saying, but I, I love that idea that a community profile also serves to take your leadership eyes off of the church for a moment, as you know, in the sense of who we are inside and puts it back on the outside, who's out there. And that's a really healthy step too, if, if uh, you're finding a lot of inside conversations about how we're serving each other in the church.
0: Yeah. And new pastors out there, seasoned pastors, you know this, but, you know, new pastors out there, don't do this process with your entire congregation all the way through. Uh, start with, you get, if you know, your elder board, or if you're Presbyterian, your session, or create a small team. You want to start small. You Don't worry, it will get to the congregation, but you want to be able to have some meaningful conversation, um, and you need a manageable number of people to do that. You also need to kind of, if you can... Handpick some people that you think would be good for that. Um, again, that doesn't take long, but uh, I just it won't be very efficient with the whole congregation taking every step of the way. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. It kind of focuses things and helps get some traction, and you can kind of gather some information that you might want to present more broadly. But this at least gets the ball rolling in a more a more focused way. So, so you're out there, you're gaining information and insight about your community, who they are, what are where is it going, what are some of the pain points, or uh, opportunities and, and you're starting to dream about that. What what happens after that? Because I feel like that can be a place of where we get stuck sometimes.
0: Sure. If you can come to some conclusions or even just best guesses as to now that we've looked at the community, here are three or four or five needs that we think might exist, right? Um, hey, I'm hearing from a lot of people that there's there's not enough things for little kids in the area or I'm hearing from people that there's, there are no divorce care groups around I'm hearing, right. It's like once you're kind of ears to the ground, you start hearing things about what some of the needs are and to identify what are the needs. Don't worry about if you can address those needs yet, just worry about what are the needs. And then, and then the next part is then what do we do well as a church? So for example, if you're a church and you have a thriving, you know, youth or next gen or student ministry, and there's some sort of issue where uh, in the community, there's a need for a place for teenagers to hang out. You're perfectly primed to figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you're a small church, and maybe doesn't have any kids, I wouldn't suggest, Oh, let's try starting a teen hangout when we don't have any teens ourselves. You know what I'm saying? You got to find where does what we do best meet up with some of the needs or Or can they? Do we have what it takes to do one of those things?
1: Yeah. Is there a logical place where we can step in with either a strength or something that we're uh, kind of is part of who we are as a a congregation that helps meet that need? I think that's important. And it's an opportunity to stop and kind of take a look at uh, yourself. So you've looked at the community. Now you're looking at your community as the church and saying, who are we? What are we gifted for and good at and skilled for? And or what's what's something that that seems to have some trajectory towards meeting a need like this that we could come alongside? So I think it's, it's valuable, but I love we start outside and then we move inside to see what do we have to offer that's unique to us. And there's always, I, I think that that's a little bit scary because I think sometimes you're like, what if we don't have anything to offer? Yeah. Or what if there's nothing there? Well, um, I don't think that's what's going to, you're not going to find that. You're going to notice something and you're going to go, you know what, we are really good at this. And we do have a really uh, cool playground where we could get young families together and let them play. Or we do have uh, this part of who we are in our culture that could be helpful in, in this way. So, um, I love it. I think that's one of the ways that we can see where what God might be doing in us for his for sake of his love and for people in the community is when we find that strength or that thing in our life that meets one or kind of matches up as a potential, uh, spot to, to meet a need.
0: Yeah, and it's really interesting too because I think a lot of churches are tempted to think that their strengths aren't really that aren't really strong enough. But I'm reminded of the great theological film, The Three Amigos, when uh, <laughs> the entire town is trying to fight off El Guapo, and uh, Martin Short's character yeah. asks, "You know what? What? What are you good at?" He can though <laughs> <So sew. laughs> That's right. <laughs> then so like the wind. Yes. Yes. Right? And brilliant. I love that. So I think, I think too. All the research is saying, so Barna just had that big report come out. Volume two just dropped on that report. And uh, we've seen this in, um, you know, books and resources that we've looked at over the years that the number one thing people are looking for is a warm, friendly, soft landing when it comes to congregations. Like they want a place where they can feel like they belong, they're at home, they're they're welcomed you know and those are things that most churches can do right that because even when I go to churches and and just a lot of things are going in the wrong direction, the one thing that's usually there is a really friendly, warm congregation of Christ followers. And like if that's your only strength, awesome like that's fine. That's enough to do something about the needs that you're seeing out there. Yeah, I love it. I'll also say this. It's really important to not try to rush past that that phase of discovering what your strengths and weaknesses are mm-hmm. because I think it, until you wrestle with that stuff, you don't do anything about it. Again, it's like sprinklers in the rain. You just don't think about it. You just keep going on autopilot and you could be saturating the ground and actually killing the grass because <laughs> you're, not, right. thinking it, you're right? not thinking about it. You're not thinking about it. Yeah. So So I I think that's part of it too, making sure that you are taking time. And I don't know, how do you, do you have a way that you talk about strengths and weaknesses when you do this, Jesse?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's kind of the tried and true stuff of like a SWOT analysis, right? And you can look that up and there's a lot of versions of that, but you kind of say, Hey, what are we uniquely good at? What are some things that maybe we're uniquely bad at right? (laughs) or not so great at or gaps in our life? Um, and then what are some of the things that are, um, if we don't address them are becoming going to become a problem for us or um you know how do we uh what are the opportunities associated with our strengths and so you kind of walk through that whole process but by being articulate about some of your weaknesses or opportunities for growth or say some, challenges
0: some people challenges, don't like challenges
1: whatever the word is right it kind of it helps it just you're being honest right and i think then it can prevent you from getting all kinds of enthusiasm for a new idea that then falls flat because maybe one of the the challenges or growth areas is uh follow through on the back end like you know there's no there's not no landing place we just had a great conversation with our our session and somebody said um they work in um uh, the insurance industry. And uh, it was it was interesting to talk to them about what happens if you uh, recruit all these new people to come and, and sign on with your, your insurance company, but you have no follow up with them. And so they've all said, hey, I'm interested, but then you never connect with them um, you've lost them forever. Like you damage your credibility. And so I think, um, for us, we were saying, if we're going to invite new people into the life of the church and want to get them plugged in, we better wait until we know we have landing spots for them to get plugged into. And one of our growth areas coming out of the pandemic as many churches is, do we have enough landing spots and groups and on ramps for people that are new? And are we really ready to roll out the red carpet to all these new guests? If, if and, and for us, the answer was, no, we need to build some things inside first places for them to go and land so that when we do invite them and they do show up, there's a place. So one of our growth areas and challenges was create those landing spots. Um, and so by articulating your weaknesses, you can or challenge areas, you can, um, I think, get out of head of some what could have been some problems or something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so far the way again the way that you spark this process you just start asking first off what's going on in the community and you try to get some data around what's what's happening and then two you determine what are the needs and then three what are our strengths where are our challenges and then um and then four how how do we take that strength or take our strengths and address uh, the needs that are in front of us, or how do we tweak a challenge? How do we use a challenge as a way? Either way, how do we start meeting the needs based on who we are? You always got to do a little bit of a, a self-discovery before you're able to serve others well, because you just want to make sure that you are congruent, that that you are putting your efforts into a ministry initiative that you can actually pull off. Right. I think that's really important. Uh, and then it's Okay. What are three kind of key result areas we're hoping to see in the next three months, three to six months? What what are just th- three areas? And I you could even do just one area if you wanted to. I like three because it gives you some options on what you can work on when. But let's just let's just say, for sake of argument, you just pick one key. This is the key result mm-hmm. that we want to see as a result of this next ministry campaign that we're going to do or this next ministry initiative. Cause I think it's so easy to get overwhelmed and then, and then we just, everybody just stops when that happens. Right.
1: <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. So how do you go about articulating that? Do you get, do you have a process where you kind of say, do, Hey, this yeah. would, okay. So tell us about what success looks like, or how do we focus that conversation? in? because I think even that can feel a little daunting sometimes.
0: Sure. So uh, let's say you're the group that you're working with, whether you're elders or your session or a team that you put together, you kind of come up with, okay, here's, here's some ideas of where we think that we can meet the need. Well, then you take those ideas and the kind of research that you've done, and you then you present it to your congregation. You say, hey, these are three areas, uh, you know, or one area, whatever it is for you. These are the areas that we think we want to get some movement, and here's why. And what you're doing is now is you're getting into that Dr. John Cotter stuff about leading change. You start by you know, building a sense of urgency and you build a sense of urgency through information Mm. and heart, of course, but you're, but what you're doing in that is you're saying, okay, we really think we can do something about these needs in the community. And we hope that you're with us. Here's why we're excited about this. Here's what we think we could do. And then what I do is from that point is once whoever's there to hear sort of the town hall meeting about the key result areas, you invite them right on the spot to participate in a conversation about each one where, and then you ask them, okay, Hey, thanks. Thanks for talking about this. Will you do me a favor? Will you guys all meet two more times between now and our next meeting, our next session meeting or elder meeting so that we can hear your ideas. And then, and now you you're getting congregational buy-in, because they're part of the conversation, they're not just being told. They're they're part of the solution. And then it's not it's usually the case that you could take those people who you've had conversations with and say, "Hey, will you help us actually implement it?" And they'll usually they'll usually yeah. jump to it before you ask.
1: Yeah, I love that. And and there's something really important here that happens because um, okay, start with a smaller group, an inner circle that can kind of do some focused work. But if all the ideas are also generated out of that group and fully developed before they're presented in a broader way, it's going to feel like the leaders of the church did this and now they're asking us to be a part of it. OK, well, maybe that works sometimes. But in this way, you're creating grassroots buy in. You're, you're actually maybe even giving space for ideas you never would have thought of or dreamed of to come to the surface. And I think that's the coolest thing about this is because some of our best our ideas are way low down in the organization. Maybe it's somebody brand new who just moved into town who came from a church that had a great whatever. And yeah. they're like, well, what would it look like here? Or it's one of our uh, youth and family volunteers that are like, you know what we're seeing with kids is, and wouldn't it be awesome if we had a fill in the blank, right? So um, I think some of the best ideas, uh, if we can ask those right, those good questions born out of the data and, and create some urgency around it, man, that's where the fun is. And, and if people are a part of that, then they're going to be in on the delivery too, which you kind of referenced there. So when it comes time to implement, people are going to feel like, hey, I'm a part of this too. We're all in this together. And I would say this is where churches that are maybe in that uh, smaller category or hundred or less, this is where you can really shine. Everybody can be part of the conversation in a way that maybe a church like yours, Jason, it's a little harder to get uh, all of that done all the way down through the organization. So, Anyway, I think there's a lot here at this point to get people on board, get them excited, and then begin to generate some really concrete action items that you can follow through on.
0: Yeah. And this is a part when a lot of leaders get nervous about control. Yeah. Because now you've, you, you're sort of, yeah,
1: my hand was kind of shaking the whole time I was making
0: that. <laughs> <part. No. laughs> what if the team comes out with something ridiculous?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is the
0: fear. And you know what? It's probably a well-founded fear sometimes.
1: It is. But here's the thing. If we don't have the courage to give space for brand new ideas, none of the best ideas are going to come to the surface. And we better have the kind of culture of trust where we feel the freedom also to say, you know what? Probably that's, not going to work for us this time. Like you have to be able to say no and do some course correction yeah. and let that idea iterate. But if you don't have the courage to do that, then your control, your fear is well-founded. So it's got to well, be-
0: And it's all how you frame it in right. this spot too. So if you say, okay, hey, task forces, you're going to report back to our governing body and give us your recommendations. Yeah. So that's not, you're deciding what we're doing, it's you're recommending what we're doing. And that takes some of the some of the steam off that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so set set the set the frame around it. Make sure the expectations are appropriate.
0: Yeah, I want to give just a practical example of this. So I just had a phone conversation yesterday with somebody who's a friend of the podcast who's been on here before. I'm not going to say his name or his church because I didn't ask permission. So I don't. I don't want to do that. That's fair. No, but um, uh, small church, and you know, was sort of looking through, going through this process and figuring out where can meet the need. We feel like. We need to do an alternative kind of worship experience, something that's more intergenerational, but, you know, don't know if we really could pull off a whole nother like contemporary service where it, you know, just really wrestling through that. But then thinking through, well, what do we have? Well, we have a preschool. Okay. You know, um, how can we start generating some forward movement? Here's what they did. This is really cool. So, have you heard of uh, the program Messy Church? Have you heard of this? Yep. This is like an uh, international program. I'm pretty new yeah, to it's it. It's kind so of I'm a like,
1: UK thing. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. All my Scottish staff, which we have like, seems like a hundred of them, but there's two. Um, they, Yeah, they're really into the Messy Church the idea.
0: Yeah, so um, Messy Church, uh, they decided, you know, we're going to give this a try and we're going to start by offering some aftercare for the preschool because the preschool and the church are sort of separate. We're going to offer some aftercare. We're going to call it Jamming with Jesus. They're going to have some Musical programming, some fun, some hangout, like right after preschool ends. And parents are like, Yeah, you know, another hour or whatever. That's great. So they started with that. And then they started advertising Messy Church once a month. They do it in the middle of the week. It's intergenerational. There's a meal, some spiritual content, like some songs, and and then a craft or an activity. And it's intergenerational. Do you know that thing has grown to like 50 new people? With uh, like young families and people from the preschool, and it is absolutely incredible. He, and you know, he was sort of telling me, he's like, we get more now in that service than we do in our Sunday morning. Wow, wow! Service, and they're doing it once a month. They're thinking about increasing the frequency. And listen, it's not. It it didn't cost a ton of money. It was just sort of thinking, how do we meet the need? We feel like we need to offer something else it was actually meeting a bigger need in the sense it was really creating and is really creating some intergenerational spiritual moments mm-hmm. um so much so he was just sharing he just said there were some people in tears at the end of the sharing of this one it was like we something happened yeah, uh, God's really showing neat. up in a big way to do I this love it. Thing. and yeah he w- you know their church went through a process they were trying to figure it out their first couple of ideas they just weren't sure they could do but this is like i think we could do this one thing they pursued it and the Lord has showed up. I, I mean, I just think a lot of churches, big, small, medium, you can do this. You can launch new things that reach people in a way that you probably never even imagined.
1: Yeah. I love that. And and if you do the work on that front end of kind of thinking around the community profile, what are the needs? What, what do we have that's unique to offer and start to articulate ideas? Um, sometimes I think we skip to the idea phase and just start to throw stuff at the wall and hope it sticks, right? And um, every once in a while, maybe we hit with that, right? But this process helps us think a little bit more strategically or faithfully, I would maybe even say, about what are the ways that we should be spending our time, energy and resources for the kingdom. And so this is a, a more strategic process, but it's not a complex one. And it's something that we can do in larger scale ways and then also in really small ways as we're kind of thinking, hey, what are we going to do this winter? What are the needs in our community? What What can we do that's unique? What are some ideas that we could kick around? Okay, let's try it. See what happens.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, again, you can't you can't just pull from other churches and their context and just just sort of think it's just going to fit right into yours. And we, again, if you've been leading for a long time, you know this is true. But uh, you know, Life Church, oh, they give frappuccinos with your name on it. You know, before you walk in, somehow they know your name before you walk in the door. Right? I don't know. But uh, you know, we're just. We're not going to be like that. But what's the idea behind it? What is the why behind the what? And then you could sort of determine what your what is going to be. And I think that's where we really learn a lot from these non-denominational churches that are so, so good at connecting people. How can we, I say we, because I think most of our listeners are all mainline pastors, or pretty much so. How do we, in the mainline, um, learn from that and figure out how to do that better? That we're not just sort of culturally church, we are um, actually engaging people into church.
1: Yeah, into community, getting them in, into relationships. And we ha- we kind of went through a similar process heading into the fall, but a few things we wanted to launch. And one of them we call Second Sundays, where if you're new, younger family, looking to connect, we're going to hang out for about an hour after church. And so we had our first one this, this past weekend and it was really great. A lot of new people showed up and people were hanging out, talking. The kids were playing on the playground and it was a nice sunny day here in the Northwest. But we noticed a lot of the dads were just standing around awkwardly and we were like, man, we missed this one. Where, why didn't we bring out the ladder ball and the cornhole? Like we just needed something that they could put their hands on and not have to stand there and talk to each other about the weather for an hour. So
0: I'm glad you brought that up. I'm really glad you brought that because sometimes. If you're like, I don't know, you know, we got to go through this whole process, and we're gonna, this is gonna take a while. What if you just said, do you have an event coming up that you just need to rethink through, and just make sure that you're hitting the mark? Yeah. Like every year, we talk about our Christmas on the Hill event. Yep. But this is a great example. So we we were talking through, and we're saying, you know, people's behaviors have changed since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. This used to be an event that had like a sit down Christmas concert portion. And and then a tree lighting outside portion. And what we what we were chewing on and talking about is what we were hearing back is man, it'd be great if it was just a drop-in event. So I could come in whenever our family can make it. And I'm not missing a portion of it. I'm not missing the music because we're coming late. And I'm not missing the tree lighting. Because and so we're changing the whole thing based on what we're hearing from the people that we're trying to reach. Like, wow, oh, we'd love a drop-in event. We'd love the whole thing to be outside. That'd be really great. And could you have this and this? And and so we're adjusting it. So again, it's but what we're doing is we're listening to people in our community who are giving us feedback. So that could be a great way to tackle this, just yeah. to spark some ideas is do you have something coming up in the next couple of months that you can get fresh eyes on or just yeah. start asking some questions about?
1: Yeah. And I think that's good. You notice things, you observe them, but it, I think where we started way back was if you just Go into cruise control mode. That's how the sprinkler system ends up on during a rainstorm, right? You've and I get why that happened. I get why that kind of stuff happens in the life of the church organizationally, where we just keep doing the same stuff and we kind of get uh, forget to to think and dream again about what we might do. Uh, and so, I hope this sparks some. Ideas or just uh, maybe it gives you a little bit of a catalyst to say, hey, let me get a few people together and start looking at our community and going, what is what is the profile out there? Whether you do it in a formal way, you know, bringing in a, you know, an assessment tool to do that, or you just kind of do it anecdotally. Um, but I think that's the place to start. Get those people together and start saying, hey, what are the needs? What's our community like right now? And where do we fit into
0: that? Good things will happen when you start asking those kinds of questions. Yep. Exactly. All right, that's it. That's that's all I got. I hope it's helpful for everyone. Um, again, it's go time, man. We're a thousand miles an hour, but uh, I really do. I hope everyone's doing well and that ministry's going great. And any last words before we kind of sign off here, Jesse?
1: No, Jason. Just I love I love that we get to talk. I love that we have the discipline of doing this together. And I hope that our listeners are, you know, you're benefiting in some way from this, but also that you have something of a discipline like this where you're talking shop or at very least engaging with the podcast or reading a book or something that helps you think about the role that you play as a leader and... I think it's crucial that you do that, um, that it's an ongoing conversation because that's how we grow and develop over time. So uh, anyway, glad for you listening in, grateful for all the things you're doing. And Jason, here we are. We're slogging in the trenches. We're making things happen and we're going to hang up right now and go do some more. And I uh, love it. It's good and it's hard all at the
0: same time. <laughs> it is. because That's what we say every episode. And, and I'll say it again. Ministry is hard. It is so much better when we do it together. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.